0: Welcome to another episode of Fools Daily. I'm joined today by two very special guests. Um, I'll leave it. I'll leave it up to them to tell you who is more special. Uh, <laughs> but I'm joined by Wayne and Richard from Otherworld Miniatures.
1: Hi guys. Hello.
0: Hello. So, who is more special?
1: I think we're both very special in our own <laughs> special ways. I think that's why we work together because we're special in different ways. Um. So, when, when other worlds have produced a
0: new set of um, fantasy skirmish rules, is that a fair description?
2: Yep, tabletop battles with fantasy miniatures.
0: Um, so we're going to talk. We're going to talk about. We're going to talk about those. We're going to talk about their miniatures. And um, we're going to talk about where they want. They want things to go. But first of all, as obligatory for people who haven't been on the show, um, you guys need to tell us about yourselves and. Who you are and stuff. So away do you go. Uh, well,
1: Joshua, why where do you, you
2: go? I was going to say, why don't you start, Richard, and say a little bit <laughs> about yourself and Otherworld world, and then I'll, I'll chime in with where I sort of fit in.
1: Okay, fair enough. Um, I'm Richard Scott. Uh, I've been a gamer since uh, my mid teens and started primarily with Dungeons and Dragons in the late 70s. Um, and uh, ever since then, I've Still played Dungeons & Dragons, still played role-playing games, and uh, still been very keen on painting and collecting miniatures. So although I am a keen gamer, it's mostly the miniatures that I'm interested in, uh, rather than the dice rolling, I have to admit. Um, so uh, yes, that, that's my background from um, a miniatures and a role-playing perspective.
2: Um, I'm more of a dice roller than Richard. Um, I've got quite a broad church in terms of um, the games I play. Um, Anything really from skirmish games up to, um, you know, full sort of army battles and a lot of board gaming as well. First got into it uh, as a teenager back in the 80s. Fell out of the hobby for a while uh, when I moved south and got married, etc., Uh, But then picked it up again probably about 10, 15 years ago when I joined the Reading Club and was fortunate enough to fall in with a good group of guys who were pretty much playing something different every week. And I think uh, these days, you know, we really are spoiled for choice um, in terms of our gaming, both in terms of the the miniatures and the games that are available. So you could pretty much play a different game every day uh, for a year and still have plenty to run at
0: so how did you how did you two get to get how did you two get together for Otherworld then
1: well i'd, I'd started Otherworld miniatures in 2006 um it, it was never really supposed to be a business to start off with uh, i i just made a, a few bits and pieces of of uh, scenery and things that are uh, i used in my own games and posted them on internet forums and lots of people like them and uh, and I got in touch with Paul Muller at one stage, who uh, you will be uh, very familiar with. He's done a lot yep. of work for Malifaux. Um, And uh, asked Paul Muller to make me uh, a model of uh, the famous Demon Idol from the front cover of uh, the Dungeons & Dragons players' handbook.
0: Yeah, the one where the uh, thief's prying the ruby out. That's from the one.
1: Yeah, I was running a game for a, a group of friends, and it was based um, on that particular piece of artwork. Uh, and I'd made a, a demon idol myself. It wasn't very good. It was okay. But then I thought it'd be great if I got a professional sculptor to make one of these. So Paul made me one, and it's an absolutely stunning piece of work. It's still one of my favourite figures in the whole range. And uh, although I didn't intend to make it available to the general public, I posted some photographs on the Dwarven Forge forum, and I got loads of requests to have some copies made. Um, so I thought, well, hang on a minute. If I sell about 15 of these, then uh, it can cover the costs of the sculpt. So I did that and then uh, sold another 30 and then another 50. And then I got to thinking, well, I've I've got a, a few quid squirreled away from this now. I can get Paul to make some more figures, still making them just for me, really. And I always wanted some giants. Um, the giants that were available in miniature form were never really the type of things that I wanted. Um, so I asked him to make the giants and then, uh, it progressed from there and, uh, Kev Adams made us some orcs and, uh, we got a few other figures made and all the ones that I really wanted to have myself 30 odd years ago, but were never available. Uh, and suddenly a, a sort of a potential business grew from there. right. I mean, the
0: giants were my first, um, introduction to Otherworld. Did you um, have them in they- resin? I did have them in resin. Yeah,
1: we, we produced them in resin for a short time, so if you've got resin ones, that one day they'll be collectors' as items, because we didn't I had, make that many of them. I
0: had the hill, and I had
1: the uh, stone giant. Right, yeah, they were the first two that we did. We did the hill giant, the stone giant, and then the frost giant and the fire giant. Um, yeah,
0: no, I wanted to, I wanted to, They. I used them as uh, unit fillers in Warhammer armies, <laughs> weirdly enough.
1: Okay. <laughs> It's, um, so, so yes, well, they, well, at this point, Wayne wasn't on board. Uh, ah. I'd not met Wayne. It was just me running the business on my own. And then um, a few years later, I was at a point where uh, the business had started to grow and I really needed some help. Um, so uh, I, I, I mentioned on our forum that I was looking for somebody else to come on board. Um, Wayne came to have a chat with me at Salute, which... Remember what year that would have been, Wayne? I can't. I can't remember. About two, about two thousand and ten, something like that. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and we got talking, found out that we shared a lot of interests, and uh, and we seemed to get on well. Um, amazingly, we still do. <laughs> and and um,
2: yeah, that's 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 how Wayne came on board. Yeah, uh, it was, it was well, the uh, the figures that really drew me in. Um, See. Seeing... Seeing other uh, world at uh, salute, you know, just seeing the, those figures in the cabinets, I uh, just kept going back again and again. And so when Richard said he was looking for a hand, you know, I, I sort of jumped at the opportunity. Brilliant. And And...
0: So how do you split how do you split up who I mean who does what I guess
1: well well i I run the business pretty much um, with some help from Wayne and I mean we live about two hours' drive away from each other, so it's not like he can just drop into the office now and again. Um, Wayne comes down when I need some help. Generally, sort of every one to two weeks, and he also helps at conventions. And then there's an awful lot of behind the scenes development work that Wayne does in his, in his own spare time. I'll, I'll let him talk about that. I'm telling you what he does. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, I run the day to day management of the business and, and, uh, and Wayne will tell you what he does. I'd be quite interested to know as well, actually.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so Wayne, what do you yeah, do? Well, um,
2: like any small business, um, You just have to help out where needed, really. So I can do anything from making tea to packing blisters, fulfilling orders. Um, That's all well and good when I'm in the office. Outside of the office, um, it's more about things like uh, helping out on the social media side, so keeping the Facebook pages up to date with content, uh, doing a lot of the photography, thinking about future releases, uh, developing... um, uh, Future supplements for the rules, doing a lot of play testing for the rules, all that sort of thing, which goes on behind the scenes, which may not seem uh, obvious to people when they they pitch up at the convention and and buy the figures. But there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes in terms of thinking ahead and and planning. Uh, so one of the things we we might consider uh, in future is um, do we do our own casting. Uh, so obviously, there's a lot of thought that goes into that and planning.
1: Right, yeah. And Wayne was very much the driving force be- be behind getting the the rule book into production. Um, uh, we'll talk about that later, obviously. But Carl Periton uh, of uh, Crooked Dice was the writer of the project, and uh, uh, but it was Wayne that did all the foot slogging and uh, and and uh, chivying along, and and with, with without his his nagging and his efforts. We probably still wouldn't be in production now. So uh, that that was uh, much appreciated and a lot of hard work on his behalf that um, probably a lot of people don't see.
0: I mean, well, that was that was sort of going to be my next my next question is. This. So you've got you've got the miniatures business which is trucking along and certainly within the UK has an excellent reputation. I mean, pe- if people are looking for fancy miniatures, it's one of the places to go and get them. You know, doing dungeon crawls and things. What what was the decision process? You know, what was the thought behind, okay, we've got this excellent figure figure line, now we're going to go and produce a set of rules. And how did the collaboration with Crooked Dice come about and the decision to use the action engine well, um, I, as the rule set?
1: For several years, people have come to us at conventions and looked at the figures in the cabinets and said, these figures are brilliant, but what rules are they for? And... <laughs> uh, Everybody sort of assumes that you make miniatures for a specific rule set, and we never did that was never the the the, the raison d'etre for other world miniatures. It was never to make rules for a specific game uh, to make miniatures for a specific game. Um, so it's sort of been in my the back of my mind for quite a few years that it would be great to do a rule system for them um, and then uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I got talking to Carl. Uh, Carl Periton of Crooked Dice Games at Salute. Now I've known Carl for a long time since before other world miniatures started. I, I've, I've known Carl, uh, and uh, he's been a, a regular customer of ours right from the very start. Um, and I know that we share a lot of interests. And his Seven TV game has been—it's uh, been pretty successful. It's a really nice system. Um, One of my favorites. Yeah, and at Salute, he had just released. um Seventh Voyage, which is sort of the Jason and the Argonauts version of yep. it. Yep. And, uh, and it's, it's something that I picked up at the show, had a really nice read through at, uh, at my leisure and then uh, got talking to Carl about how great it would be to, uh, to make a sort of a dungeon crawl adventure version of, uh, of Seventh Voyage. Um, and Carl was quite keen on it, but it didn't really fit into the rest of the crooked dice business so uh, the natural progression from there was to ask Carl to modify what he'd already written um, specifically for our range of figures and that's where it started Um, and then Carl and Wayne and I worked quite closely together over the course of the following two years and um, the other world fantasy skirmish rules is is, uh, the result of those efforts Cool,
0: so for someone who's never played Seven TV or any action engine game, and shame on them if they haven't, um, how how does the game actually? I mean, actually play. What what are you actually doing in the game?
2: Uh, well, it's a you go, I go uh, system, and um, it's quite a, a simple system to understand. Um, but it has a lot of flexibility in it, and that's one of the attractions, I think, uh, for the 7TV system, and uh, certainly for me, uh, one of the things I enjoy about playing the game. Essentially, it's a two-player game, and uh, under 7TV, you create uh, what's called a cast. So for those who are not uh, familiar with uh, the rules... Um, 7 TV was basically wargaming in the world of cult television of the um, of the 70s, that, uh, the 60s and 70s. Uh, that, uh, and if uh, you look at Crooked Dice's uh, fantastic figures, you'll you'll recognise uh, maybe a lot of those characters you used to watch on uh, TV as a child, and uh, their whole game was uh, basically letting you fight. Um, almost like television scenes uh, on the tabletop. And so I played a little bit of that down the the club. I was introduced to the game by a friend of mine called Matt Slade, who is a very keen supporter uh, of Crooked Dice. And it is a fantastic game to to play. And so when uh, Richard and I were talking about bringing the world to a wider audience and possibly developing our, our own rules... Um, that's where uh, the idea of using the action came in, into mind. Uh, we made a few modifications to it uh, to fit better with the, with the genre. Uh, but the idea is that it's a club game, so this isn't a competition or a tournament game, this is a game you play uh, with your mate uh, down the club, designed to be played in about 30 minutes, 45 minutes, Uh, Ideally scenario-based, two factions against each other, and essentially we are um, trying to... um, When I play a lot of D&D, the bits I particularly enjoy are like the boss-type fights. Uh, and Certainly when we're talking about games years afterwards, those are the things that, that come to mind. So it's allowing you to recreate some of those highlights from some of the... Uh, RPG games you may have played, but in a tabletop uh, format.
0: Okay, so so it's a game of effectively two crews gangs against each yeah, other yeah two or... factions
2: and the beauty is that uh, it, you can play anything against anything it doesn't have to be adventurers against monsters it could be you know a tribe of orcs against a drow raiding party it could be an evil necromancer and he's undead uh, against um, you know a horde of giants so uh, that's what I like about it That there's a lot of replayability in it uh, a lot of creativity and a lot of flexibility for the player to decide, okay, this time I want to you know I want to try out my band of giants or I've got these this horde of skeleton figures. Um, let's use those in the game. It's
1: ideally suited to people who don't necessarily have a large collection of figures and would just like to play a game with what they've got. Um, obviously, we'd be more than happy to sell them other world miniatures to play, <laughs> to play with the game, but you really don't need any. Um, if you've got, uh, eight, ten, fifteen figures in your cabinet that you'd just like to play a game with, then you can just design a warband to suit those figures that you've already got. Um, it's, uh, it, it's ideally suited for that sort of setup. You don't need huge armies and you don't need a massive collection of lead.
0: Okay. And, um, I mean, look, I've got a copy, I've got a copy of the book in front of me. This is it flicking through. There right, we go. Um, Thank you very I mean, much book, for buying it, Mike. Yeah, yes, that's, yeah. that's all right. The book's excellent. I really, really like it. I, I mean, the, from the imagery on the front, you know, to the little, the little yellow. I love the little yellow band in the corner. Just that's not absolut- an accident, you know.
1: <laughs> I absolutely, absolutely adore There's, that. All the way through the book, there. are Well, you'll notice it when you read it in a, in a bit more depth. But there are lots of little. Um, Lots of little nods to where the roots of the game comes from, and uh, we, we'll look forward to uh, uh, people commenting on those over the next few months when when they uh, when they find them all. Yeah, I think it's.
0: I think I think it's. I think the internal art and everything it 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 shows where you you. It basically shows the gaming history that you guys have just have described in the book, and you know in the the way that the line drawings work and everything. It's it's absolutely. Fantastic for evoking that sort of atmosphere.
1: Well, a lot of that credit goes down to Carl. He's done all the interior design and the layout—not uh, the artwork itself—but um, you can tell from uh, the way Carl set it up that uh, that he also shares our our interest and then an enthusiasm for uh, for the good old days of eighties uh, role playing. Yeah. So,
0: it, I, n- I noticed as I was flicking through, it, and I haven't I haven't read it in. In full depth because I've only had it a couple of days. Um, it has a ca- there's a campaign towards the back of the book. Um, yeah,
1: I wouldn't necessarily describe it as a campaign. It's more of a sort of a series of linked adventures. Well, right. I suppose that's a campaign.
2: Um,
1: <laughs> <much> a bit...
0: <laughs> Idiot. <laughs>
1: But, uh, is, the pro- is, the progression, is the progression in the
0: parties between the adventures? No, that,
1: that's what I meant to, to address, that it, that it doesn't um, progress the characters um, as a, a role-playing campaign would be. And right. This is something that we've talked about over the last few months, about whether we wanted to, to include um, a character progression uh, system within the rules. And we've decided that it's not really what we want to do with this system. Um, we want to have a simple pick-up-and-play skirmish system that you can play on a tabletop in an hour and then, if you like it, come back and have another game next week or maybe play another game straight after. But um, the the actual progression of the characters in the game wasn't something that we wanted to achieve. If people want to do that, to be honest, if they want to develop their characters and progress them, I have to be honest and say you would be better off playing a role-playing game. Um this isn't what we're trying to achieve with this one. It's it's supposed to be a simple pick up and play game that you can play with a handful of miniatures in an hour on a tabletop and it's as straightforward as that really. Awesome.
0: I mean and I suppose it helps I mean you were you're talking about people coming up to you at shows and saying, What game is it is are these for? Mm-hmm. And it helps it help I get you know, then you've got here it is as well. Yes. Um Gamers are a funny bunch. You know, <laughs> I've got this figure. I've got this. I've got this. Fi- ah, you sell figures, therefore you must have a game. No, no, I just sell figures. I like figures, therefore I sell them. No, that can cannot compute. They are a, they are they very weird. I wonder if you, I wonder if certainly in this country if it's the the Games Workshop mentality that captures them early. You know that. I'm in a Games Workshop store, therefore I'm buying figures for a Games Workshop game. When they get introduced to the wider range...
1: Yeah, I think to a them. certain extent it depends on the age group that the game has come from. If they're um, a bit old and crusty, like we all are, and they've grown up with, uh, with role-playing games and board games, and they remember going into a Games Workshop where they sold... Dungeons and Dragons, and Call of Cthulhu, uh. and <laughs> as well as their own miniatures and Partha figures and Grenadier figures and things. Um, the, the, the gamers that are, that come from that generation, it's not a problem to have a bit of diversity in the gaming. It's the ones that have learnt their gaming directly from Games Workshop. Um, one day there's they, there's an epiphany and they suddenly realise that there are other games out there. Um, and those are the those are the the gamers that um, we sometimes um, struggle to to uh, to cater for, and I, I expect Malifaux gamers um, find the same. Oh yes, I'm sure. But I'm, I'm sure our generation, we're used to a diversity of games being available and being played, and and, and Wayne will tell you as well. If, if uh, gamers have come into contact with a local games club, um, you know that's a great way of diversifying your your interest. Yeah. If you just do your gaming down at Games Workshop, you ain't going to learn about anything else, to be honest. No.
0: Um, so, I, one of the questions I had, and this was a, a slight disappointment on my side when I, when I, when I got the rulebook, was what I what I'd thought it was going to be was a, a set of rules for dungeon crawls, not a set of rules for um, effectively warband combat. Did okay. you ever give any thought to doing pure sort of dungeon crawl
1: type rules? What do you mean by that, Mike? Do you mean moving from location to location and lots of different combats?
0: Yeah, effect- effect- think Warhammer Quest or okay, a better version of Descent, <laughs> right? Um, because um, because there, there, it seems to me that there isn't a great one of those on the market. And when I when I looked at when I was looking. The rules before I pick, before I picked up a copy, I was thinking, "Oh, this could be there And I didn't realise at that time it was action system based. Because to right. as as I realised that I was going right. Okay, now I know what it's going to be. Okay, and um, you know because th- you have so many lovely models, you know, gelatinous cube coming down a corridor as a sure. random encounter type thing. Yeah, and. <laughs> um, I just wondered. I just and you know, this is really, really an aside. I just wondered whether it was something that you ever considered. Well, um, doing that direction
1: in the future, we may well expand the rules to do that. Uh, it would be great oh, a couple cool. of years down the line <laughs> to uh, to publish um, advanced otherworld, for example, that uh, maybe connects lots of encounters together in the form of a longer adventure. Um, right. But at the moment, it's not what we wanted to do. It's, it's not what you want. No, to be. it may well be at a later date that we want to have a little <laughs> bit more complexity um, and a little bit more detail in it, and uh, and then we've got uh, a really good framework to work on to expand it from there. Um, but at the moment, that's not what we wanted.
0: Yeah, cool. I mean, it's it's you know that sort of expansion is one of the th- one of the selling points. I think of um, the other new the other gaming hotness at the moment is obviously Frostgrave. Mm-hmm. As we, re- as we record, and that seems, to be, that seems to be tapping into a lot of gamers because it has got that continuation campaign-type thing in it.
1: We do have three basic versions of the characters in the game, and there's no reason why you can't put together a faction with some fairly basic characters as minions, and then, at a later date, upgrade them to be uh, companions, and then beyond that, upgrade them to be legends when they become uh, more famous and legendary. <laughs> um, so there is a basic framework in there to do that, uh, but it's not the it's not the main intention it's, of the game.
0: Yeah, and I, and I guess I guess that's it. It's, you, they're doing what you wanted them to do.
2: Yeah, I mean the the rule book as it is is a you know 136 pages long. Um you know I think when, on the first draft it was probably up to 200 pages long. Yeah, it was well Just, over 200. We, there was a lot of stuff we <laughs> we had to uh to trim and and cut out um and uh, that all that content will be appearing in a in yeah obviously supplement. that content hasn't
1: hasn't disappeared we've still got it, and we may well put yeah. it in a supplement at some stage
0: oh, fantastic so so what are, what
1: what are your your hopes
0: for where it's going for where it 's going to go um well we just you know it seems to have been well received yeah. so far well
1: that that's one hope that's one tick um at, I am not sitting here thinking rubbing my hands together thinking about all the money that's going to come in from this. Place. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're, in the
0: mini- you're in
1: the miniatures yeah. business that's no, never yeah. going to happen. because we, let's not um let's not have any illusions we, we, it's very much a cottage industry. Um, <laughs> yeah. we're we're running this business because it's part of a hobby that we love not because it's going to earn us any money. Um, so what I would like to be in a position to do is is to to continue to produce the miniatures that we produce, to produce some expansions and for the game to grow steadily. Um, I, I can't see this being the next Dungeons and Dragons or the next Settlers of Catan, uh, but you never know. Um, it might become popular, um, it might just be a little niche game that lots of people uh, enjoy playing in their clubs and in their basements and in the pub. And I'd be more than happy with that. I just want to produce something. Um, firstly, uh, that I enjoy playing. Secondly, that other people enjoy playing and keep playing. And uh, and that's as much as it goes, as far as it goes, really. I'm not I'll very think, ambitious, I'll,
2: I'll,
0: am I? <laughs> well, I think I think I, I don't know. I think building. You know, the company from what, two thousand and six, two thousand and seven to where it is now, less than ten years later, I think that's pretty good going, frankly, in, in what as you say is a cottage industry.
1: Well, we're pretty proud of what we've produced o- over the last few years. We've got a cracking range of figures available now. Um Yeah, I
0: like I like the ones that you previewed the other day as well, the elementals. Yes,
1: those will be coming out soon. and those are Paul Muller stilts, by the way um yeah, they look really nice and uh, and and always throughout the 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 growth of the business I've already, always only really been making miniatures for myself um and I still do that when people say to me what's your target audience well the target audience is me um and I'm always grateful that other people share my interests and enthusiasms um, enough to uh, to buy some of the figures so that we can then go on and produce more figures so that's that's what the business is all about. It's about um, making cool stuff that people will buy, so that then we can go and make more cool stuff.
2: <laughs> we, we do. Um, We've probably got close to six hundred figures now in the, yep, the range. I would think. Yep. Uh, now, obviously, the aim is at some point to to have stats available for for all those uh, monsters and creatures that we do available for the game. So. Um,
1: Ah, that's a seamless introduction to plans for our new supplement. Yes,
2: <laughs> <laughs> feel free to carry on. <laughs> um, as, as when you do a project like this, you're never really sure how it's going to be uh, received, how many copies you'll sell, whether people want to play it or not. Um, and we are fortunate in that uh, it seems to have been well received, people have played it, uh, seem to be enjoying it and uh, a lot of the feedback we've got via the via social media has been very positive and that sort of encourages you to uh to continue with the plans that you had and obviously the plans are to make available uh statistics for all the all the creatures that that we do all the all the characters that we do and expand the game in that way that was a lot of the content that just had to to be cut from the initial draft
1: yeah, the, the the monsters in the rulebook are mostly dungeon-based monsters, because um, yeah. it it's initially intended to be primarily a, a dungeon-bash-type um, combat game. Um, you'll probably be aware that we've got quite a wide range of wilderness-type monsters in, in our range of miniatures, so we've got a lot of those statistics that we need to introduce to the game, and... Um, the next supplement hopefully will do that. We're working on it at the moment. It looks like it's going to be primarily a monster book uh, and also include some rules uh, for expanding the game to uh, to play outdoors in a, in, in a wilderness setting as well as in a dungeon. That's all I'm telling you at the moment. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Aiming for salute next year? Hopefully,
1: yes. We'll be looking at um, publication in early spring. It'll be great to have it. On the stand in time for salute. Yeah, that's what the plan is. Fantastic. And the miniatures you're
0: just going to carry carry on expanding.
2: Yeah, I mean we we um, plan the the releases out uh, sort of quite a long way in advance, and we do take a lot of uh, thought into uh, particularly which sculptor we want to use for which. Um, which creature or which, which monster, they all have their own sort of strengths and weaknesses. And we do take a lot of time in trying sculptors to... Sculptors or the monsters? <laughs> in trying to match the the sculptor uh, to the to the figure that we want to, to produce. So, uh... Yeah, so
1: what we want to produce de- depends an awful lot on who's available. Um, lots of different sculptors um, often take contracts up with other companies, so... Uh, if we wanted Paul Muller to say to do uh, some more undead and he wasn't available for six months, then You know, we have to work out. Do we get somebody else to do them or do we wait until he's available? And, um, so yeah, it's it's all about matching the sculpture with the subject matter and uh, I think we've done that reasonably well not perfectly in all cases But um, I think it's
2: worked fairly well I think I think we also like to bring models to market which may not be available for the gamer so if you look at some of the recent releases, like the the Zorn and the the Land Shark, you know if you if you're a DM and you want to to uh, you know get hold of those figures, there's not that many people who make them.
1: Yeah, that's always a risk commercially, um, in that uh, people might not necessarily want them, um, but. Um, we we try to balance our releases between figures that we think are going to be commercially successful and ones that may be uh, a bit quirky um and may just only appeal to a small sector of, of the market um and in nearly every case those quirky figures have all done quite well for us as well yeah i mean you you
0: one of the things that i'm always impressed with when i see the new figures is the paint jobs that you have put on them are all absolutely fantastic well
1: the vast majority of our painting is done for us uh, by a very talented chap uh, called andrew taylor and uh, he's a professional painter and i am i'm never I, I i never cease to be amazed by the the quality that he can achieve in such a short time he's 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 his his style of painting i think is ideally suited to our miniatures um it's not the sort of style of painting that you'd think, uh, with a little bit of practice, you couldn't replicate yourself. Um, so it doesn't put people off and our miniatures look like they're ready to be picked up and put on a tabletop rather than to be left in a cabinet and not touched under any circumstances. Uh, so that's something that we're trying to achieve. And I think Andrew's style of painting ideally suits that uh, uh, that plan. Yeah, no, I th- I
0: think that they're um they look fantastic. So uh, an outdoor supplement at some point, continuing continuing to expand the figure range. Yep. Anything else coming from Otherworld? That you can talk about? <laughs> I think there's always other things well, that you, that you yeah, just can't talk about. We we we
1: have got some other plans for other projects here and there, but at the moment our priority is going to be working on the new supplements and continuing to expand our range. Um just to give you some idea of some of the new stuff that we've got coming in the near future, you've seen the, uh, the elementals, the air elemental, the fire elemental, and the water elemental. Uh, those are on our Facebook page now, which Paul Muller has sculpted. He's also going to be working in the next couple of weeks on an earth elemental. Um, we've got some more wilderness creatures coming soon. We've got a, a bear, a giant owl, and a couple more of the satires, uh, which have been very popular in our range. And they're all sort of gearing towards um, the release of the Wilderness uh, expansion. So we'll, we'll try and tie those in together and expand our Wilderness Encounters range. And a new Hydra coming soon, which John Pickford has already sculpted. It's with the casters at the moment, and uh, I should have my hands on some of those next week. And that's going to be fantastic. Awesome. awesome. Um,
0: uh, did you, I, so I had some questions from Twitter. Okay. I think you've probably, answer, you probably answered most of them. But... To give the to give them the shout outs because they did ping me to say. Sure. Um, so, um, Nary Fotep Bro, I know um, asked, asked, are there models on general leashes yet? I need to get them in my life. I sent him a link to the store. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, there's six hundred. There you go. Um, and then Mike Hutchinson asked a couple of questions. Um, will printing your own cards be encouraged?
1: Oh, yes, there are links on our Facebook page to print your own cards. You can just do them yourself. Obviously, they won't be the same quality if you print them on a home printer. Um, but, uh, yeah, go ahead and print them. Uh, Wayne, what are the the other bits and pieces that are up there on the Facebook page? Uh,
2: yes, yeah, so we've got PDFs of uh, the cards used in the game and the tokens used in the game, the faction roster sheets, uh, quick play uh, reference sheet. And there's something as well called the reserve tracker. So any, basically anything that appears in the appendices of the rules uh, is available as a, uh, a free PDF download. The rules themselves are available uh, in a PDF form. Um, and um, oh, that was my that was my question.
0: You made it a softback book, guys. Yes, that
1: was
2: uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> long yeah,
1: that 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 was mostly a commercial decision but uh we we decided we wanted to to have a book that would um be quite hard wearing yeah and um that we so we we decided to use a printer that specializes in um academic textbooks uh All right so it's The the books should be pretty much bomb proof. Um, I don't expect them to crack down the spine and the pages to fall out. They'll they'll be fairly hard wearing. Um, And that was one of the main considerations for going with the printer that we went with. Um, and, and, And the decision over softback and hardback, it was a difficult one to make, but it was eventually done mostly on cost.
0: Um, it, it, and it, it always is, isn't it? I mean, it's one of those. It's one of those things. I, regular listeners to this show will know I have a thing about hard ba- of liking hardbacks. Mm.
1: <laughs> yeah, I
0: mean, we um, could have
2: had it printed in China for a fraction of the cost, but um, a fraction of the quality as as well. Yeah. Um, so we used a local uh, a local printer. Uh, we're very happy with with how it turned out.
0: I think it's 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 brilliant. It's brilliant. It's just my, you know, my personal thing is always about is always oh I need a hardback yeah. mainly because I leave them mainly because I leave them lying around the house and my children just pick them up and throw them back into my games room.
1: <laughs> if, it, if it was the case that a softback book would have been of inferior quality, then we would have gone with a hardback. Um, but although this is a softback, I don't believe that quality is inferior. It's, no, I, uh, it's I, I nicely, agree. It's nicely put together, and only time will tell how hard-wearing the books are and how they will stand to a couple of years of heavy use on the gaming table, um, but I'm pretty confident that they will stand up to a good old battery.
0: I think you're, I think you're probably right. Uh, Mike Hutchinson also asked, uh, does it need a grid to play on? Can I go off-grid? You can use a grid, or you can just use measuring
1: sticks or tapes. It's
2: um... you, yeah, you can use anything you want. I mean, a, a lot of the images in the book show um, Dawn Forge scenery. Uh, you could use a gridded battle mat. You could just use a green cloth, and uh, all the measurements is done in inches. Um, if we're playing on the Dawn Forge stuff, we tend to to just use one square as as one inch of movement. But yes, you don't yeah. need a you don't need any special terrain.
0: Cool. and the last question is from Phil uh, at aka Manners um, and he says what makes it different from other games on the market? I think you've pretty much covered that to be honest
2: uh, uh-huh. yeah there's um, uh, there's no army list per se uh, but each there's a stat block for each uh, creature so it's, it's very much um, customizable in terms of creating your own faction um there are some scenarios in the book and we will be making some uh, more scenarios available online uh, so it's a scenario type uh, driven game um i think it's more the more the, the sort of flexibility and the whole genre which sort of differentiates it from from other types of game
1: it's definitely um uh a different background to the game as well in that it's intended just to sit around a table and have a bit of a laugh rather than to play a serious competition game um, it's not designed as Wayne said earlier for tournament play, it's designed just for casual uh, enjoyment and uh, and I think sometimes that's a bit lacking in other game systems as well just uh, the whole element of just having fun with it cool. Now we've we...
2: Do hope to be out and about running a few demo games, so um, I'm hoping to get down to Firestorm Games at some point and uh, in Cardiff Cardiff and and run some demo games down there. Uh, We're hoping to do more shows um, than than we've done previously in the past as well. Just um, it still amazes me that when uh, the amount of people we we get turning up to the stand at the show and say well I've never heard of you before I've never heard of other world miniatures so um, part of the process of, of getting the Facebook page up and running is really to, to broaden the awareness
0: cool. so Facebook is just other world
2: miniatures uh, we, yeah we have two Facebook pages so one for other world miniatures and then we've also set up a dedicated Facebook page for the the rules as well which is other world miniatures fantasy skirmish so um, more that'll have purely rules related content. And if people have got any questions uh, relating to the rules, that's probably the best place to post them. Uh, and if we do need to publish any, you know, your art or any game aids, that's where they'll be posted.
0: Cool, okay. Um, if not, it's not like you'll be busy the weekend before salute or anything, uh. but if you weren't busy the weekend before salute, there is a, um, a games convention at Firestorm Games actually. Uh, that weekend, the eighth to the tenth. They timed that um, well, haven't they? Yes. Well, <laughs> when when it was when it was booked because it's the last weekend of the summer holidays. I'm running it. Um, it's uh, it's for those it's for all those small games things and um, the provisional date for salute was the was two weekends away. So we thought we were going to have two weeks a two week gap. Um. But you know, if you're if you've got the odd odd moment three day three day game convention with people who will lo- who will lap this game up, it's just sort of, all
1: yeah, it's just the sort of thing that we're looking for to do a little bit more of up. next year. Um, so hopefully yeah. we'll 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 manage to get out and out out and about a bit more next year. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely have a look at that.
2: Yeah, I think you could probably definitely book us in for that, Mike. Um, I'm hoping to get over to Firestorm in November to do uh, to do some demonstration games.
0: Awesome. Such, it's such a good venue now.
2: Yes, I, um, I umpired the Saga tournament uh, there a couple of years ago and was very impressed, and that was at the old venue. I've not been to the new venue, but I've, I've heard a lot of good things about it.
0: Oh, the new the new venue is very impressive. Very <laughs> impressive. Neat. Right, well, thank you very much, guys. Pleasure. Yep, you're very welcome. Um, I shall let you go and have your Sunday lunch. Thank I'm you. going to play cricket. Ah, Well, hopefully better than England played yesterday. Last game of the season, so
1: fingers crossed for a good one.
0: And don't don't put your hand in front of the ball. (laughs) You know, even if the bowler just pegs it at your head, don't put your hand I don't think
1: my reactions would be quick enough to get my hand anywhere near that ball. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: Well, thank thank you very much for coming on. And if you ever want to come on the show again, please feel free if there's something else that you want to talk about would love to have you on again yep, sure right. that'd be great
1: keep in touch Mike thank you bye alright see you. thank you very much bye bye
0: you can contact Fools Daily on Twitter we're at Fools Underbar Daily or via email foolsdaily at outlook.com